welcome to Grace Life Church Podcast. If you would like any more information about us, please visit our website, gracelife.com.au. I've had this word that's been burning in my heart. See you, mate. I've had this word that's been burning in my heart for the last couple of weeks, and this line that says, Let my people go. Let my people go. And I feel that there is something that the Holy Spirit is wanting to say to declare freedom to His people. So those of us who who are in uh, places in life where we feel like we're a little bit contained or we're a little bit uh, restricted or trapped or stuck, I feel like Holy Spirit is wanting to say, let my people go, that they may worship me. So this morning... I ask you, have you ever been lost in life? Have you ever found yourself off track in life? We do this thing as a church where we, uh, it's part of our community outreach and part of our heart to bless our, our neighbors. We do this thing called urban rescue. And what that is, is we get people in our church community to write down families, friends, people that they know that could just do with a little bit of extra practical help. And we get teams together and we go to their houses and we do kind of like a backyard blitz where we do renovations or fix up things that need fixing up just to bless them and show them practically that there's people around that love them and want the best for them. And um, once I was on the the organizing committee with uh, Vince Bentley and we had to go to different houses to go and visit the different houses to see what was needed for uh, the, the urban rescue. So we get a list and look at, okay, we need to bring these tools or we need to do this, that, the other. And so Vinny says, I'll come and pick you up after work. And I'm like, awesome, comes to Malaga. And uh, my, by this time in the day, my phone has gone flat. Not from looking at Facebook, you know it. Not from looking at Facebook or anything like that. So I don't do at work. Much. But just from, you know, the, the many calls, pastoral calls that I had to make in that day. My phone's gone flat. So I get into the car. We've got these four locations that we have to go and visit. And um, I say to Vinny, have you got a charger? And Vinny's like, no, I don't have a charger that fits your phone. And I'm like, okay, well, you're going to have to pull up the GPS to show us where we're going. And you know what he says to me? He goes, I don't have a GPS. And I said, Vince, what is going on? He shows me his phone. It's one of those little flip phones from like, um, you still got it? There you go. There's the flip phone right there. Ain't no GPS on that. I don't even know if you've got a calculator on that thing. But he, pulled, he says, I don't have a GPS. And I said, okay, we're going to be in a bit of trouble because we've got to go to all these different places. And he goes, but I've got something anyway. I've got the UBD. And I said, he's got the UBD. What's the UBD? And I thought, I've missed the upgrade on the GPS here. I need to get the app store out and get my UBD on my phone so that I can see what's taking place or I can see this new GPS. And some of the young people are looking at me like, what's the UBD? I don't know. He goes, I don't have the GPS. I've got the UBD. And I said, wow, where's your UBD? Where do you keep it? And he goes, well, it's under, my, under your seat. And I thought, that's a weird place to put your UBD under the seat, and so I put my arm, my hand under the seat, and I pulled out, you will not believe this, a book. It was a book, 
like pages. And in that book was maps. It was a book of maps. And so I dusted it off. The bats came out, looked at Vince and said, did you rob a museum? What are we going to do with this book? And anyway, he, he, he gives me a crash course in UBD handling. And um, I've got to tell you, that thing's pretty complicated. Because they've got these maps, and, and if you looked at maps and you thought, you know, I'm driving from one map to the next map, you'd probably think, like, just flip the page and you will find the next map that you need to continue the street that you were on. But here, let me tell you, in case you didn't know, they're like 85 pages apart. You get to the end of the street and it's got a number for a page that you have to flick through to find the next the next uh, street to say, oh, you're on the same street. And you're trying to track through multiple pages flipping around in different sections, which I guess is okay if you live in the 1960s. But it, it, it's a little bit different now with lots of roads and different things that you, you, you have to travel down. And so we are going through, and I'm trying to flip pages as Vinny's driving, and my finger's going here and all there and all this. And I guess it would be all right if we had one location, but we had four different places, and you can't even put a little pin on the map to know where you're going. You've got to try and follow that thing with your finger in your mind. It is, like, confusing. Anyway, after a bit, we, we get a little bit lost. We take a wrong turn. Obviously not my fault as the navigator, but um, we, we waste a bit of time. This is just one time that we've gone on a journey together. There was another time when we got, I had the GPS, and I put the address in, but I didn't check the suburb. I just, as I was typing it in, the street name came up, and so I pushed on it, and we ended up about 30 minutes away from where we needed to be before we realized that we were 30 minutes away from where we needed to be. It was actually five minutes from where we started. <laughs> GPSs don't work. Good. Very good. I opened the newspaper today. <laughs> I opened the news thing on my phone today. And I found this article. Lockie, can you please play this? If it plays. We have internet from the 1960s in this building. <laughs> Is it going to work? Building suspense. Run sheet. Did you see this? Crank it up. This guy followed the GPS yesterday. If someone's downloading a GPS right now, could you just pause that so we can use the internet, the Wi-Fi? We're not going to play it? It's not going to work? Look at it. I'll send out the link in the UBD. But uh, what happened yesterday was this bus driver, he, he, he put in his GPS, he put in the address, and it took him um, down. A, he, he got a little bit lost. He missed one turn, and he thought, oh, I could probably get back this way, not to realize that one of the roads was unsealed. And so he drove. It, it, the video is quite funny because he drives through uh, not just dirt, but he goes through like a, almost a lake, 
And he just continues because he can't do a U-turn in a bus on a narrow road like that until he gets bogged. And it took him five hours, five hours to come and find him. And he said, uh, it just took the wrong turn. And something funny, the, the news lady, she a goes, bus driver who took oh, here a it wrong is. turn and got bogged has blamed Google Maps for the mishap. He ended up on a dirt road in bushland, unable to do a U-turn. It was stuck there for more than five hours before it was finally towed out. While most journeys are planned, this one was not. The wheels on this bus going nowhere. Designed for the bitumen, not the bush, this is why you don't take a transport bus off-road. The driver didn't mean to. His bosses say he missed a turn, so he put his trust in Google Maps. What he didn't realise is that a section of Figat Road near Pinjarra is unsealed. It becomes a soft sand track where a four-wheel drive function is a must. The driver tried his luck, pushing on past a no-through road sign, a dead end and even through water. A U-turn, not an option in something this size. He continued down the sandy track for some time, hoping the road would return to normal, but <laughs> that's when he became stuck. Thankfully, the bus was out of service and there were no passengers on board. <laughs> getting this bus in here was a lot easier than getting it out. It took a few goes. The first tow truck arrived at 5 o'clock, but it wasn't up to the task. It wasn't until 10 o'clock, five hours later, that it was eventually pulled out and on its way back to its original destination, the depot. Cassidy Moscone, 7 News. How good was that? The, the wheels on this bus were definitely not going around and around. Poor bloke. Anyway, you can take a turn. You can take a wrong turn. Things could happen and you could end up finding yourself in a place that you never expected to be. Uh, finding yourself in a place where you didn't think you would ever end up. All through one wrong turn. And I want to speak this morning about freedom. I want to speak about freedom. For some of us, maybe we've, we've taken wrong turns, we've made decisions, we've gone in the wrong direction. For some of us, maybe life has, has just thrown us a curveball. For some of us, there's things in our lives that have trapped us, that have held us, that, that, that we have allowed to, to hold us back, to enslave us, to, to hold us in bondage. But this morning, I feel God saying, let my people go. Let freedom come. I heard that. Let it go. He said, I need to do a poo. Can we start in the scriptures? I want to read from a, a, a passage in Exodus. The Exodus story is, is very much in line with our story. And for the, the Israelites, for God's people at that time, uh, they didn't realize what they, were, what they were about to go into or how pivotal this moment, this, this journey would be for the rest of us following after. But um, we, we see what happens is 
God's people, the Israelites, move into Egypt, into the place called Egypt, and they go there voluntarily, uh, and, and they set up camp. They're given space to set up camp, and they start to grow and to populate and to multiply 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 and to multiply, and they continued to multiply and to multiply and to multiply and to multiply until they became so big as a people uh, that, that they became a threat to the Egyptians. The scriptures tell us that the, the, the Pharaoh that let them in or brought them in, um, he died and then a new king arose and that king saw the size of the Israelites and he, he, he became afraid of them. I'm going to read from Exodus 1 verse 6. It says, in time, Joseph and all of his brothers died, ending that gener entire generation. But the descendants of the Israelites had many children and grandchildren. In fact, they multiplied so greatly that they became extremely powerful and filled the land. Eventually, a new came to, king came to power in Egypt who knew no nothing about Joseph or what he had done. He said to his people, Look, the people of Israel now outnumber us. And they are stronger than we are. We must make a plan to keep them from growing even more. If we don't, and if a war breaks out, then we will they will join our enemies and fight against us. They will escape from our country. So because of what was happening in God's people, they became a threat to the enemy. Verse 11 says, So the Egyptians made the Israelites their slaves. They appointed brutal slave drivers over them, hoping to wear them down to, and, and with crushing labor. They forced them to build the cities of Python and Ramesses as supply centers for the kings. But the more the Egyptians oppressed them, the more the Israelites multiplied and spread, and the more alarmed the Egyptians became. So the Egyptians worked the people of Israel with no mercy. I want to submit to you this morning that potentially the attack that has come against your life is because the enemy sees the potential for you to follow the plan and the purpose of God and what that could cause to his kingdom. The thing that, 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 says, that, that we see here is that the Egyptian king, the Pharaoh, noticed that the, the, the Israelites were growing in number and in strength, and it threatened his kingdom. He thought at any point, if they realize how potent they are, how powerful they are, how strong they are, then they could uprise and they could turn over our kingdom. And so he said, we need to oppress them. We need to break them before they realize just how powerful they are. Maybe, just maybe, things have come against your life because the enemy sees the potential of you taking hold of what God has called you to do. Maybe he's tried to break down your identity so you don't realize who God has called you to be. He's come against you. He's enslaved you. He's tried to break you down so you never step into the full potential of God's call for your life. Maybe there's attacks that have come against you because of this. Maybe you felt the, felt the, uh, the, the oppression, you felt the attack, the, 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 the assignment of the enemy trying to hold you back. Can I submit that to you? Possibly, maybe, he sees the potential in you and it frightens him. See, the enemy is not afraid of your past. The enemy, what's he got to be afraid of your past? He may use our past to hold us back. To, he may use our past to, hey, remember you did that. He may accuse us and point us back. 
He may, he may try to keep us trapped from our past, but your past doesn't scare the enemy. What frightens him is your future, is what you do if, if, if you align your life with God. Because you may bring freedom to other people, and he does not want that. So maybe there's things that are coming against you because the enemy is trying to take you out of the game. Can I encourage you to stand strong? Can I encourage you to stay strong? To have courage, to have faith, to believe and to keep on walking. Don't step back. Maybe that's, that's a sign that you're on the right path, that you're doing the right thing when opposition is coming against you. The next time the enemy starts to remind you of your past, you just remind him of his future. He's the defeated foe. Jesus has victory. He's got nothing on us. So when he starts calling you back to your past, you just remind him of his future. We're walking out of this in victory because Jesus has won it. We're walking out of this with him because Jesus is there. And he says, and the people realize this, the Egyptians realize this, and they start to, to pull rank on, on the Israelites and just make them slaves. And what happens later is that the, the Israelites, they initially go with the plan, but then something starts to stir within them, and they, they uh, get discontent. They get frustrated with what's taking place. They want freedom. And in verse 23 of Exodus 2, it says, Years passed, and the king of Egypt died. But the Israelites continued to groan under their, under their burden of slavery. They cried out for help. Anyone ever cried out for help before? Three of us cried out for help to God, and their cry rose up to God. Is that not encouraging to hear? That your cry for help doesn't go unheard, that God hears your cry, that cry rises up to God. And it says here, God hearing their groaning and remembering his covenant promise to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, he looked down on the people of Israel and he knew it was time to act. He knew that it was time to act. Your cries are being heard right now, even if it feels like they're not. God hears your cries, and sometimes it's just a matter of timing before He releases your freedom, before He releases what He wants to do in your life, but He hears our cries. I find this so encouraging, knowing that I can cry my heart out to God, that I can share the deepest, the, the, the most burdensome parts of my heart with Him and know that He hears my cry. He hears my pain. He hears the, the, the turmoil. He hears all of my affliction. He hears all of these things as I share them with him. Feel free to, to pour your heart out to God. He doesn't, it doesn't say that he was like, oh, they're just complaining again. It doesn't say that he, 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 he turned a deaf ear. It said that he heard their cries and he remembered his covenant to their people. And he said, now is time to act. And how does God act when it comes time to act? He calls a person. He calls a person, and we see in this story, he calls a person named Moses. He calls Moses to be the one who would bring freedom to the people, that would, would act as the deliverer of the people, that would go before and lead them into freedom. He calls Moses to answer the cries of his people. I wonder this morning if, if the community, if, if people in your world are crying out to God and God's just waiting for you to go. I wonder if you're the answer to the, to the cries of, of the prayers of those around us. 
I know that in this very room, I, I look and I get so much hope when I look at the faces in this room, knowing that there are people right now in our world that are crying out for help. And then I look and I see all of these options. I see these beautiful people who God has called and anointed and is bringing into be part of the solution to lead people out of the bondage, out of the slavery, out of the trapment that they are in. He calls Moses and Moses, he gives him a message. And you know what that message is? He says to him, here is the message. In, in Exodus chapter 5, he says, After this presentation to the Israel's leaders, Moses and Aaron went to speak to Pharaoh. And they told him, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, Let my people go so that they may hold a festival in my honor in the wilderness. Let my people go. Moses, this is the plan. The people are in slavery. I'm going to raise you up. I'm going to call you out. And then I'm going to send you to Pharaoh, to one of the most powerful people in the world. And you're going to walk up to Pharaoh. And you're going to tell Pharaoh that I've sent you and that he is to let my people go. What a plan. We know Moses, he, he struggles with this plan. He's like, I can't talk. Why, why are you calling me? Surely there's someone else. You should choose someone else. Are you sure you got the right person here? But he steps out in, in obedience to what God is calling him to. And he goes and confronts Pharaoh and he says, let my people go. This is the message from God over there. He said, let my people go. You know what Pharaoh says? He laughs. He mocks him. He goes, well, who's your God? Your God really told us, let your people go, okay. And he just mocks him and then he, he pushes back and he pushes back and he pushes back and he pushes back. But eventually, they're free. Eventually, they come to a place of freedom. I want to share this thought with us this morning. Freedom has functions. There's purposes to our freedom. One of those, those purposes is that freedom is for worship. Freedom is for worship. Time and time again, the message that God gives to Moses to confront Pharaoh is this. Let my people go so that they may worship me. Let my people go so that they may worship me. Anything that holds you enslaved, be it sin, be it an addiction, be it a thinking pattern, be it a relationship, be whatever it is. Anything that holds you enslaved, holds you back from worshiping God has to go, or it has to change, or it has to be broken, because those things affect our worship of Him. They affect, hinder, pull back, break down our, our, our worship of God. The Israelites at this point didn't have a time to celebrate. They didn't have a time to pray. They didn't have, they were working and working and working. They didn't have their own space to celebrate what God was doing to, to worship God. And they wanted that space and God wanted them to have that space. And so he says to Pharaoh, let them go because they got to worship me. Your freedom is an invitation to worship. Your freedom is your invitation to worship. And I'm not talking about an invitation to come to a Sunday morning to worship. I'm talking about a life of worship. When you receive the revelation that your life has been set free, I don't know if you've ever struggled with something, if there's been something that, that has held you back, that has trapped you, that has enslaved you, and you are set free from that thing, the revelation is, oh my goodness, how good is God? 
I, I, you know, I love worshiping with the Shalom house guys. I don't know if you've ever been around them when they worship, but when they sing Amazing Grace, you're talking about guys that have been set free from drug addictions. When they sing Amazing Grace, you know that they mean those words because they have been set free. And so they lift their voices because freedom should be expressed in our worship. Express it in our worship. Tyler read a uh, psalm uh, before the start of our service. Where was that, Tyler? This is what took place as soon as, Moses, as, soon as they, they left Egypt. It says, Moses and the people of Israel sang this song to the Lord. I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. He has hurled both horse and rider into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has given me victory. This is my God. I will praise him. My Father's God, I will exalt him. The first thing for their freedom was an expression of praise and worship. They lifted up the goodness of God. They celebrated the goodness of God. The revelation of your freedom should open us up to be able to worship him freely. Freedom is for worship. Now, I, I, I don't want to, to, to make us think that um, when things are difficult, when life is, 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 it feels like we're trapped or things are going wrong or things are happening in our world that are difficult, that that means that you are not free to worship because that's not the case. I'm talking less about the external world and more about our internal world. When God sets us free internally, then it doesn't matter what's happening externally. We want to worship anyway. Here's an example. Paul and Silas are thrown into prison. They're thrown into prison for doing the right thing, for, for following Jesus, for, for doing what he called them to do. And, it's, and the scriptures tell us that uh, they're, they're locked up. They're put in a dark dungeon and they are singing psalms, singing songs of hymns, hymns of praise to God. In the prison, they're praising God. They're praising Him because they are set free internally. So externally doesn't matter as much. They can still lift up a song of praise because they know that whatever the enemy does to them, they can't take away their freedom. You lock me up, I'm still free. You come against me in that area, I'm still free. And here's what happens. There's this earthquake that takes place and the prison doors bust open. Coincidence? Probably not. The prison doors bust open. And I don't know about you, but if you were in prison and you were being held in prison, what's the first thing you do when those doors open? Run. What's the first thing they do when the doors open? They stayed. Because it wasn't the prison that held them. They were free in the prison just as much as they were out of the prison because freedom is an internal thing. And if we are free internally, if we've been set free by God, then we can worship Him wholeheartedly. But your freedom is for worship. Here's another thought. Your freedom is to be free. Your freedom is so that you can be free. Fast forward to Galatians, Galatians chapter 5. I read this when I was a newer Christian, and I thought, okay, that sounds pretty obvious. Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, it says, So Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free. Everyone say that, stay free. 
So Christ has truly set us free. Now you make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up in slavery to the law. Your freedom is so that you can be free. Paul writes to the church, and, and he's not talking about some impending takeover. He's not talking about the, the persecution that's coming. He's talking about their internal freedom and not, not going back to the yoke of the law, not going back to what held them captive before. He says, it's, it, Christ has set you free, so stay free. Some teaching had come in that they needed to be circumcised in order for them to, 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 to be accepted into the kingdom of God. They needed that plus Christ. And, and Paul says, no, 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 no. We've moved away from that. You've been set free. So don't go back to that old way. I see in my own story, salvation is where I've been set free. Discipleship is learning how to stay free. It's learning how to walk in freedom. See, the, 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 the Israelites, they, they, they left Egypt. They were delivered. But then there's multiple times on the journey where they start to think, oh, hey, we should go back to Egypt. Remember Egypt where we ate leeks and onions? Do you remember the smell of those leeks and those onions? They were incredible. We really should go back to Egypt. There's a point where Pharaoh starts to chase them. And it says there, as Pharaoh approached, the people of Israel looked up and they panicked. And they saw the Egyptians overtaking them. They cried out to the Lord and they said to Moses, Why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? Weren't there enough graves for us in Egypt? What have you done to us? Why did you make us leave Egypt? Didn't we tell you this would happen? While we were still there, we said, leave us alone. Let us be slaves to the Egyptians. It's better to be a slave in Egypt than to be a course in the wilderness. It's for freedom that you've been set free. They'd been set free, but they didn't know how to live in freedom because they had the slave mentality. Their whole generation had been raised in a slave mindset. And so as soon as they experience freedom, the thing they want to go back to is slavery. Because slavery was comfortable. Slavery, we knew that. Slavery was what we grew up with. But they don't remember. Slavery wasn't all buttercups and roses. Slavery was where they were being whipped. Slavery was where they had no rights. Slavery was just, it was death on earth. But they think, hey, we, we, we should go back there. I don't know how many times I, 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 I see people come to Jesus, to a revelation of Jesus, to a, a pure and real revelation of Him. And then as, they, as they're trying to start their first steps in the journey, you know, the ex, 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 ex boyfriend calls up and says, hey, what's happening? And they're trying to walk away from that old life. And yet, oh, hang on, I, I remember your voice. I remember what it was like to to watch movies with you. Or maybe it's, it's the friends that, that, that you used to, to, to party with. They, they start calling again and, and you're trying to journey out. Anyone know what I'm talking about? And you start to think, oh, I remember what it was like back there, back in Egypt. At least I, I, I had fun. And there's the, the temptation to go back to what once enslaved you. And Paul says, and, and we see in the story of the Israelites, that you have been set free so that you can enjoy freedom. 
So be careful not to go back to that which you've been freed from. That which God has delivered you from, don't go back to it. Don't walk back into it. Don't let it capture you again. It is for freedom that you have been set free. So enjoy that freedom. Walk in that freedom. Experience that freedom. Live in the reality of that freedom. Beware that things might try to pull you back. And you might think at times, well, it was better in Egypt. It wasn't better in Egypt. It's not better. The greatest thing you can do is walk in freedom with Christ. We don't remember the, the, the bad things. And again, the enemy uses it as a lure. Remember this? Back in Egypt. Come back, come back, come back. Here's the last thing. Freedom is for others. Your freedom is for others. Your freedom is for others. Galatians, again, it says you've been set free, but don't use your freedom to indulge your sinful desires. Instead, use your freedom to serve others in love. You've been set free so that you can then help others become free. You've been set free. You've experienced freedom so that you can help others on their journey, so that you can freely serve others, help others. I think again of the, the call of Moses. He, he's, um, he's called by God to do something that would, would freak many of us out. Anyone not get freaked out about walking up to the, the Pharaoh and telling him that he has to let everyone go? If you don't get freaked out by that, he probably won't call you to do that. Because he likes to, seems to like to call us to do things that we have to step out in and, and face fears and, and, and step out in things that uh, we probably wouldn't do on our own. But um, Moses becomes part of this deliverance. He becomes part of the redemptive purpose of God. And I just think, you know, what happens if Moses says no? What happens if, if Moses, he looks too much to himself and his inadequacies and, and, and how he can't speak and how he's afraid and how he's got other things to do and how he just doesn't have the time for it. And what happens if he says no? There's over half a million people on the other side of his yes that need freedom and God's chosen him to walk them into freedom. And Moses says yes. And God anoints God equips, God performs the miracles, God does all of the work. Moses just has to rock up. He just has to go through, go, be obedient to what God says on each step, and God does all the work. He brings the miracles. He brings provision. He does all of this stuff. Moses just said yes. So your freedom is to help others to find freedom. Why Moses? Have you ever thought why Moses? I mean, what, why would you choose Moses? Moses was an Israelite by DNA, by heritage. He, had, he was born into the Israelites. But at the same time that the Pharaoh was trying to wipe out all the, the, the young, the newborn children, the boys, he was given an escape route. And he was found and he was raised in the palace. So he had the heart of an Israelite, 
but he didn't have the mindset of a slave. In fact, he grew in the, in the palace. He was developed in the palace. He, he grew up there while all of his brothers and sisters and family members and all, all, all of his relatives were growing up in Egypt as slaves. Moses was raised in the palace. And I wonder if that is because God needed someone that had experienced freedom to walk the slaves into freedom. Because you're going to struggle to have a slave lead a slave into freedom if they've never experienced it, if they don't know what it looks like, if they don't know what it feels like. But God uses a man who grew up free to lead those in slavery, his people, into freedom. Maybe you have walked through some stuff and God's brought you through it and he's freed you from it. He's, He's given you freedom in an area so that you can go back and you can help others to find freedom in that area. You know what I'm talking about? When, when, you, when, when God does something significant in you and you experience His power, when you experience His freedom, your desire is, I want to go back and tell everyone else. I want to show everyone else the path out of here. I want to show everyone else how, to get, how, how, how we're going to move forward, how they can put this into practice in their lives, how God can touch them, how God can set them free. That's my desire. It is for freedom that you have been set free. So use your freedom to help others. Use your freedom to serve others. It's not freedom, hey, I'm now free from consequence. I'm free from, from, from anything that, you know, I can do anything that I want to. Uh, I'll tell you this, freedom, genuine freedom, releases, uh, it, it gives you the option to say yes to the right things. If you don't have freedom in an area, you will struggle to say yes to what God is saying. When he brings freedom, it opens up the option to say yes. That's what grace does to us. His grace has come and it empowers us to live righteous lives. It empowers us to say yes to the right things. Being a slave to sin means you struggle to say yes to the the right thing, to to God, while you are captive by this. But let your freedom lead others to a place of freedom. Where has God set you free? Where has God done a work in your heart? Where may he be calling you to help others to find freedom? Where in your life may God be be calling you and and anointing you and, and leading you to help others to walk that path of freedom? Let your freedom help others find freedom. There is a world right now that is crying out for God. And those cries come in mixed and varied ways. They might not be crying the name of God, but they're crying for something that that is real, that will set them free, something that will help them to live, something that will show them what life is. And maybe God is calling you to be part of that, to help them. I can't. I'm too busy. I I can't speak. I, I don't have the... The, the education, I don't have the qualifications, I don't have, Moses is so good to us. Moses gives us the, the, the example that, hey, you don't have to have it all together. You don't have to have everything uh, aligned. All you need to do is say yes to what God is calling you to do. And if you say yes, step by step by step by step, He will do the work. He will do the work. Your freedom is to help others. 
there was this guy, um, his name is Benji, and uh, when he was a young boy, he was abused, and he had you know, lived many years from a place of brokenness, uh, from a place of you know, hurt, darkness, from what had happened to him. And he, he, he comes into this life-giving relationship with Jesus. He has like this, this full-on experience with Jesus where, where he, he, he begins to heal the wounds of his past. And he begins to bring freedom to him. He begins to set him free from all of those things that, that held him in the past. And as, he, as he's doing this, as he's going through this journey, he, he goes to, uh, I think it was to India, and he is um, propositioned by someone to, to you know, sell him a slave, basically. And he said that it shocked him so much to think of the pain that he had experienced when he was younger is now being inflicted on others. And he went home and he, he, he cried in his shower. And he said he broke down. He couldn't believe what was happening. He couldn't believe that this was going on. He couldn't believe the hurt that people were experiencing. And he felt like, he, he tells a story that he felt God speak to him about that. And to say that, that I want you to be part of the solution. I want you to be part of, of helping people to find freedom. I want you to be part of using what you've been through, the journey that you've walked through, as difficult as it, as it has been, to help others to find freedom in that area. And he went on to start an organization. I think it's called Free to Be Kids, where, where they actually go out and they uh, basically help young people to, to find hope. They, they help connect them with education. They help to break people out of the slave um, and human trafficking organizations to give them freedom did he have to go through what he went through no no one should ever have to go through that but he journeyed through it and jesus came and brought healing and jesus came and brought freedom and then because he'd been set free he wanted to see others experience the same healing the same freedom that only jesus can bring it is for freedom that you have been set free. We hope you've enjoyed listening to this podcast from Grace Life Church. For more information about us or any of our services, please visit our website at gracelife.com.au.